So if you were with us uh, last weekend, we launched our preaching series called Living Yes Requires No. Living yes requires no. Living a yes to God, living a yes to Jesus requires us to be aware of the things we need to say no to and the courage to say no to them. There's some things in our life that compromise our yes to Jesus. It's not as easy as just saying yes. And often the devil proposes bad deals. He proposes something he wants us to say yes to, which is actually a no to God. So we want to be aware of those things. Why? Please God, because you and I want to be holy. To be holy is to be filled with God. To be holy means to be in relationship with God so that God begins to transform my life to look like his. That's what people who are in love, that's what happens. They begin to become closer and closer to the one they love. Today in the reading, this is our second reading today. This is from the second letter of Timothy. He says this about Jesus. He saved us and called us to a holy life. God called you and me to a holy life. He didn't call us to just an average life, just an okay life. He called us to be holy. He wants us to be saints. But what exactly does a holy life look like? How do you know that you are becoming holy? Well, the church has described holiness in various ways, but in one way that it describes holiness is through a description called the virtues. The church calls us to live a virtuous life. Virtues look like something. They look like behaviors. They look like attitudes. In fact, the the church describes virtues as this. This is from the catechism, which is a summary of a church's teaching. This is um, catechism 1804. It says this, human virtues are, listen, they're firm attitudes, stable dispositions, habitual perfections of intellect and will that govern our actions, order our passions, and guide our conduct according to reason and faith. They make possible ease, self-mastery, and joy in leading a morally good life. The virtuous man is he who freely practices the good. A virtuous person is free in their mind, in their intellect, to choose the good. They know the good, they choose the good. And it affects our attitudes, our behaviors, our passions, our dispositions. And there are particular virtues that we can practice. The church is kind of laid out on the right side up here. These are virtues that we would want to practice if we want to be a holy person, live a holy life. We would want to practice diligence, chastity, mercy, or admiration. We would want to be generous. We would want to practice temperance and meekness and humility. The words on the left are the opposite of those virtues. They're actually the seven deadly sins. So the the church has kind of looked at people that are trying to be holy, looked at saints, and they've looked at particularly areas that the enemy tries to keep us from being holy. The way that the enemy tries to compromise our yes. And has identified these seven ways, maybe you recognize a few of them, 
They're called deadly sins. Why? Because they kill our soul. They kill our relationship with the Lord. They chip away slowly and slowly and slowly. They move us away from God. So what you and I want to do is have a conversation about, let's identify these deadly sins. What do they look like? What do they sound like? How does the enemy try to propose them to us? And then let's talk about what we need to practice so that you and I, at the end of Lent, we can begin to look a little more like someone seeking holiness, a little more like someone who is trying to follow Jesus and say yes to Jesus and no to the enemy. Y'all think that's a good plan? Go with me? All right. For those of you who are not on board, um, let's, <laughs> let's talk about what sloth is because maybe you might have said, you know, uh, We'll start with sloth. Sloth, yeah, I'm not sure about sloth. Sloth is the first deadly sin that we're going to look at. What is sloth? Sloth is, first of all, not laziness. It's not laziness. Because there are a lot of people in church here today, including myself, we work really hard. We get a lot of stuff done. And we are patted on the back for getting a lot of stuff done. But slothfulness is not laziness. It looks at our spiritual life. It's particularly pointing to spiritual relationships. It points to maybe a laziness in our relationship with God. Slothfulness can be described as sluggishness of the soul, spiritual laziness, lack of interior discipline, inordinate desire for ease, neglect of spiritual exercises or spiritual boredom because the work necessary to pursue holiness is just too hard. I want you to hear this has to do with our spiritual life. It's not about how hard you are working. It's about how much you seek the Lord and how interested in you are for spiritual things. Easy way to just to take a, a subtle gauge of this. Some of you had some, um, some Lenten penances that you set out for yourself as you began Lent. Might be some easy things. I'm not going to drink Coke. Might be some hard things. I'm going to wake up every morning and have 10 minutes of prayer. Might be some pretty intense things. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to go to Mass every day. Okay, we're like, I don't even know, like 10, 11 days into Lent. How you doing? Like how many times did you wake up to go to mass or you wake up to do your thing or you were staring face, straight in the face, whatever it is that you gave up or whatever it is you said you were doing and that voice kind of said, it's really not that important. It's really not that big of a deal. I mean, nobody's watching. What is it actually going to do? I got so many other things going on. See, sloth is a sin that starts to root itself in our soul that begins to make God look unattractive, boring, and this, the pursuit of God very difficult and hard and laborious and just difficult. For those of you who are not convinced yet, this is what sloth might look like in your life and you might want to pay attention if any of these apply to you. Now, I know some of you um, may not be able to see this, but if you downloaded those notes, it's all in the notes. So listen, just listen real quick. 
If you are too busy with other things and therefore you are consistently inconsistent with prayer, study, or spiritual reading, you're consistently inconsistent. You pick up the book, I'm going to finish it. Then you put the book down. Come back a month later, oh, that was the book I wanted to read. You pick it up, you read like maybe two chapters and you put it down. Come back again. I have a whole library of books with like um, bookmarks. I mean, they're pretty books. They're really pretty books. Paid a lot of money. They're, it's excellent, but they have bookmarks like around chapter three. Just kind of got excited. You often have the best intentions on praying or studying or on spiritual reading, but you then get distracted and never follow through on your intentions. You often sometimes miss Sunday Mass because the weekends allow you to pursue pleasure, recreation, or a release or escape from the stress of life. I've been working really hard. I've been working really hard. Sunday, I mean, it's a day of rest, so I'm going to go rest on the golf course. I'm going to go rest on the boat. And f- I mean, I, I meet God on the boat so much better than I do in church. You're bored with God, religion, and your spiritual life. It's just, it's just really uninteresting. It's not a click away. I can't just scroll to get to God. Just patience and silent stuff. Let's just get on with this. Are you still talking, Father? Like... You often think or even say something like this. Life is complicated. God isn't. Jesus came to make things simple, so religion should be simple. Why are we complicating things? Why are we saying we have to actually do stuff other than coming to Sunday Mass? Jesus came to simplify everything. He died for our sins. Let's just let him be him, and we just be us, and let us do what we want. You disagree with the Catholic Church on issues that would threaten your right to do what you want to do. This is important. The church might say things that actually push in against your lifestyle and challenge you, and it might actually make you do a little work to change. And you're like, I don't know. the church is just fuddy-duddy on that stuff. It's just old. I'll dismiss it because I don't want to work to change. Almost there. It's been more than six months since you have been to the Sacrament of Reconciliation. You meant to do it like four months ago. And just, you got busy. And then you meant to do it like three months ago and something happened, soccer game and bad weather. And you meant to do it two months ago, right? It's been a while. The above statement surprised you about confession. You're convinced that neither Jesus or the Bible says anything about confession to a priest or you're not really convinced that sin is real at all. If any of these apply to you, you might want to pay attention about sloth. Again, sloth is a spiritual laziness. It's getting us to be uninterested in the things of God. But we are so interested in the things of this world. This is how it works. This is how it actually works in real time, okay? So this is good. This is an example of how sloth actually works. You and I, I believe you're here, so praise God. You and I have a desire to be holy. We wouldn't be here if we wouldn't. We have a desire to pray. A desire stirs up in our hearts. And God speaks to us and says, gives us a thought, you should pray right now. Come to me, all you who labor and find life burden. You think about going to God. You think about just pausing, maybe putting your phone down, maybe turning off the TV, closing the computer. You actually think about going to God. It's a good time to do it. 
Two scenarios can happen in this moment right now. One scenario, you act immediately. You exercise diligence, you pray, and at least you acted with virtue. You chose to act and to go to God, and you met God there. At least you were active and responded to that. But that isn't always the case. Scenario two, you delay, you procrastinate. You create a window of time where now the tempter can whisper to you with temptation. You don't act immediately. Just kind of, that's a nice thought. What's the tempter going to do? This is real. The tempter is going to speak something into our, our ears. Why don't you go do this first? It's a pretty day. You can get to that later. Wouldn't this be a great day to cut grass? Wouldn't this be a great day to walk the dog? I don't have time. I mean, you really don't have time. Think of all the things you have to do today. You're too busy. It's going to be too hard. I'll do it later. You know, nothing happens when I actually go to God in prayer, so nothing's going to happen this time. This window, this gap that we create, it just, it's a little opportunity for the enemy to sow a little seed of doubt, a little seed. It happened in the garden. Did God really tell you not to eat that apple? Just look at it. Eve, come over here. Take a look at it. It's shiny. It's red. It's going to be really good if you just take a bite. Oh, it, it kind of is shiny. It does look good. Let me take a bite just to see. Maybe God's holding back something from me, right? This is how the enemy works. Two voices are attempting this, to get us to do too much. Our problem is not that we do too little. Our problem is often that we do too much. We're overly active. We have FOMO. We're fear. We have fear of missing out. We do too many things. We try to keep up with the Joneses. Uh, we or more busy about recreation than recreation. We are going here and there. Those of you who have kids, I want you to think about how many free nights do you actually have? How many free nights do you actually have? Fatigue leads to number two. I don't want to do anything because I'm doing so much. The enemy sets us up to be so busy and so tired because we're doing so much that when it comes to spiritual things, we don't want to do anything. But I do so much. I, I'm so effective. I'm so efficient. I don't believe that there's any consequences to doing nothing. I don't believe that there's any value of doing anything for God. And now we are set up for failure. What do we need to do? We need to practice diligence. What is diligence? It's disciplined spiritual life where one's daily actions reveal that the spiritual life is actually of highest priority. All of us, we're going to die. Our bodies are going to die. We spend a lot of time taking care of our bodies. But our soul will live forever. And how much time we spend taking care of our bodies, our physical bodies, and how much time our lack of time, do we neglect our soul, which will live forever? Diligence. 
disciplined life, daily actions. What does discipline, diligence look like? It requires consistency, even in the face of struggle and dryness, intentionality instead of commitment where there is time. It requires sacrifice, which means I have to let go of some things in order to remain consistent to God. And it requires accountability in the pursuit of holiness instead of the pursuit of feeling God. Sometimes I don't feel like God, but I still choose to follow God anyway. Can you hear how sloth can subtly take away any desire of God in us? Can you hear how sloth is actually probably the most undiagnosed um, deadly sin in our life? Lack of interest, lack of concern, lack of drive for more. If you download the notes, um, I have some examples of things that maybe we could do to kind of combat this deadly sin of slothfulness. Just maybe some examples that might be helpful. Um, Someone who is practicing virtue, practicing diligence, you have some kind of form of daily routine where you pray and study daily. You have a two-way relationship with God and stay committed even in dryness. You regularly evaluate how you're doing with the Lord. Some things might start to creep in that might deteriorate your relationship with God. Your lifestyle is determined by objective truth rather than subjective truth. You have someone in your life who holds you accountable to your spiritual maturity. You take seriously the reality of sin and make changes in your life because of it. You don't just let sin creep in and stay there. Sin is like a cancer that wants to eat you alive until you're dead. Why would anyone want to allow cancer to come in their life, much less stay there? And finally, you faithfully celebrate the sacrament of reconciliation in mass on a regular basis. We admit that I need God's help on a regular basis. I can't do this on my own. So weekly challenge uh, this week, maybe take 30 minutes. Um, In your bulletin is um, an examination of conscience about sloth. If we're serious about saying yes to Jesus and following him and growing in holiness, we have to take serious the amount of no that we need to say. We can't say yes to everything. We can't say yes to everyone. Jesus is standing before us, wanting us to say yes completely to him. He is jealous for our heart. Let's examine our conscience. If there's any sloth in our life, any attitudes and behaviors, let us actively say no to that and begin to build good habits, virtuous habits, particularly this week, the habit of diligence.